0: Yo, this is after Rose of Guns Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Alexa. Hi, this is Girl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal double G. Hi, this is Don Salad. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's
1: up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey,
0: yo, yo, yo. Let's
1: get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot.
0: The Sports Beat. is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat.
1: Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge
0: welcome back to the show just a reminder that you are listening to us on wqee 99.1 fm the key and we are brought to you by go jump and slide inflatables and ivy parks grill i am very pleased to have a longtime friend and a contributor to this podcast a couple of times we had some documentaries talking about the braves and georgia justin dale is once again back on the podcast justin Great having you
1: on the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I appreciate you being back, and uh, can't wait to get started talking about what's been going on in Atlanta sports. Yeah,
0: and uh, right now the Atlanta Braves are getting ready to take on a tough series against the Milwaukee Brewers. They lost two out of three against the Padres. I got to tell you, Friday night, when I saw that the game was on Apple TV, I seriously thought that game was going to get blacked out. And guess what, Justin? I was able to finally watch a Braves game this season because I don't have the cable provider that has Bally Sports. So if they ever have a game on ESPN or TBS or MLB Network, it's always blacked out.
1: I don't have cable right now myself. But my mom does, and she has a AT&T U-verse, and so I just use her account login on the Bally app so I can watch the games. But, but yeah, it, it's tough because um, I have YouTube TV, and uh, they, they don't have the Bally app. A lot of the streaming services don't, so it's hard to catch games when you're not there. Um, but, yeah, the, the Braves, uh, you know, this, this month in particular, the schedule's tough. They're playing a lot of really good teams at or over 500. I think the one team they were playing this whole month, at least as of this past week that was under 500, was the Red Sox and they they took only one of those two games that they played against them so yeah they've they've had some tough sledding uh, they were able to take two or three from milwaukee when they were home the weekend before that the padre series was very entertaining um that's for sure but it was you know the games were close uh i went to that game last friday night on the 13th and you know it was uh kyle wright just had a you know, uncharacteristically bad game um, for him. He had been pretty good so far this season, actually probably been one of our more consistent starters uh, this whole season. And he just had a really bad second inning. You know, I I give him kudos for staying in that game and getting five, you know, saving the bullpen a little bit. They tried to come back. I mean, they were inching themselves closer and closer to it. And then the bullpen imploded in the ninth and uh, gave up some runs uh, to kind of put it away for San Diego. uh, The the game on the 21st was another close game. The Braves uh, was able to squeak that one out with a, um, but then the, uh, the game yesterday, another close one, um, that was tied going into, or they were winning actually, uh, you know, uh, going into the, when the bullpen came in, the bullpen gave up two runs. And they, uh, San Diego was able to tie it late and then the Braves lost an in extra innings, which by the way, I just want to say, I've never been a huge fan of this, um, runner on second rule that they have, um, in extra innings. I was r- really excited at first when they said it was going away for this season and then they reverse ship and said no no we're gonna we're gonna bring it back I guess the players union wanted it back to keep game I I get it helps keep you know games from going 13 15 18 innings I I get that but it just I don't know the purist in me I guess doesn't just doesn't like it personally and the Braves just don't ever have not seemed to do do well with it either neither being a home team or an away team they just don't seem to score runs and extra innings either so just not a big fan of it personally uh, but, yeah, they, they've got a tough slate coming up with Milwaukee, three games. they got to go to Milwaukee. Then they go to Miami. Uh, Miami's kind of cooled off, but they've played pretty well so far this season. And then they have uh, they come back home the week of the 23rd. they got Philadelphia for four games and three against Miami. Um, and then they finish the month um, going out to Arizona. Um, East, and, even, and even though Arizona's in fifth place in the West, they're over 500. And so – it's it's tough. The the Braves have a tough next couple weeks with some good teams that are at or above five hundred right now. Um, so it's you know, they've got to get some wins here in order to kind of stay stay within that division fight. The Braves are sixteen and nineteen
0: overall. They are six and a half back of the New York Mets. They are now in third place in the National League East. Let's talk about some of these players. Has there been a player that has been a surprise so far I mean Austin Riley leads the team with seven home runs Mm -hmm. Dansby Swanson has but has Mm -hmm. there been a player that has really jumped out I mean personally Justin I like the play of Orlando Arcia when he came in and hit that walk-off home run that was pretty cool but who else has really stood out for you
1: yeah Arcia's had a a good year off the bench for us um, for sure the one player that really standing out right now to me is Travis Darno. Um, he has really been hitting very well uh, this season so far. And um, the power, he seems healthy for the first time in a long time. I know last year he was dealing with a thumb injury he had that took him out for about three months. And um, he admitted that he was paying, playing through some pain in the postseason last season, which is why he maybe wasn't quite as productive as we were accustomed to. But he has done well. And, and the biggest thing to jumped out to me is his defense. He is he's throwing out runners at a su- surprisingly high rate. Um, right now which is kind of goes back to kind of his days with the Mets when he was healthy it's still kind of a small sample size so we'll see if it continues throughout the season but he's really surprised me with his with his play both with the bat and the defense as well and probably another one is uh, Travis DeMerrit. you know he came up from the Braves when Eddie Rosario went on the dial, and he has really took took off you know he's hit about three home runs some of them have been kind of some key home runs he's had some big hits he's playing uh some you know very serviceable outfield for us and so yeah some of these some of these guys that we really didn't count on or didn't expect um a lot of people didn't know who Travis Demerit was before about 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 a month ago and so yeah those guys have really stepped up and played well on the pitching side Kyle Wright like I mentioned earlier is Really turning a corner. He's finally pitching like that number five pick that we took in 2017, like we envisioned him being. And so he's been probably over the course of the whole season so far, our most consistent starter outside of that bad start he had in Boston last week. And so he's been really good for us so far this season.
0: What is the starting pitching going to look like when Mike Soroka comes back from the IL?
1: Uh, the starting pitching should look really good um, when he comes back. So so far, the last re- last report I read about Mike Soroka is that he's targeting coming back after the All-Star break, which would be huge if he could be back, you know, about mid, mid-July, maybe towards the end of July for us. Um, if he could slot into that number five hole, which has kind of been a revolving door for the Braves, the first four spots have been, you know, You know, those four guys, you know, they've been pretty good. Charlie Morton had started off really bad, but he's starting to turn it around and look more like himself. But that fifth spot's kind of been a revolving door for the Braves. They've used a couple of rookies um, in that spot and and they've had mixed results, mostly bad, but some mixed results. But yeah, Sorokas can slot into that number five spot and be, even if he's half the guy he was that he was in 2019 for us the rest of the season, uh, we'll have a starting five that probably is the envy of all MLB baseball. It'll be a really good young starting five. Um all have good postseason experience and um all are very consistent for the part when they get going. So it's a uh, you know, starting pitching wise we should be in a good spot.
0: All right. How impressed have you been with Kenley Jansen as the closer?
1: Kenley's been really good. Um he's perfect in save opportunities. He's he's allowed some runs, um, but luckily nothing nothing that has cost cost us a game or anything like that. Um his first outing, I remember because I was at the game, his first outing was bad, but it was also – it was really cold <laughs> that night too. Um, and he gave up, I think, three runs in the ninth, but we were up by four. So we were. he was able to get the outs before they tied the game and was still credited with a save. But he's been really good. I mean, he's come in. He's thrown strikes. Uh, he's looked really, really good out there, and, and you you feel pretty confident. Um, it's, it's definitely a 180 than it was last year with Will Smith as the closer when he would come in from the ninth, and you were just kind of crossing your fingers and holding your breath, hoping that he could get the three outs and not give up any runs with Kenley coming out in the ninth inning. You just kind of feel like he's going to get the job done. And, Justin, you know I root for the Braves when they don't play the Giants,
0: but in about a month, June the 16th, the Giants will play the Braves at Truett's Park And right now, the Giants are 20-14. and They are in third place in the NL West, as it is. And the Dodgers at 21-12, and the Giants need to get these wins. Uh, You want to guess who the Giants' leading home run leader is? The leader who has the most home runs on the Giants. Probably Jock Peterson. You are correct. Jock Peterson has seven home (laughs) runs for the Giants. I cannot believe the impact that Jock Peterson has made for the Giants.
1: Well, that's just who he is. I mean, you you saw what he was with the Braves during that uh, second half last year and during that postseason run. I mean, he was the first piece after Acuna got hurt towards ACL. He was the first guy that was that was traded for during the All Star break, you know. And so, um, his influence coming in um, on on just that Braves team that was struggling, you know, couldn't get above five hundred. Um, and it was a group effort. It wasn't just just Jock, but just his, you know, him being the first domino, I guess, of that trade deadline, you know, historic trade deadline that you know people will be talking about for years to come. Um, He was the first domino that fell in that, so he's, you know, he's, you know, that was people took notice of that, you know, what kind of a presence he can have on a clubhouse and how he can turn that around. I was really surprised, especially once the Braves, you know it looked like Freddie wasn't coming back. I was really surprised the Braves didn't make a better effort to try to bring Jock back. If nothing else for the clubhouse presence and the leadership he can bring. Um, And plus I thought with Acuna out for a month, you know, Jock could get some decent playing time, you know, and then they could kind of sort it out once, once Acuna came back. But um, you know, the Giants, I guess, made a, made a better offer for him, better deal, promised him more playing time and it's paying off. He's a good player.
0: All right. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons
1: because right now
0: they're having their rookie mini camp. They just mm-hmm. had the NFL draft. The NFL schedule release came out. They're going to play the New Orleans Saints. Hopefully, Drew Brees is not going to come out of retirement and go play for the Saints. <laughs> you heard the the word that he's leaving NBC. The first thing that came to mind is, oh, boy, Drew Brees is going to come back to the Saints.
1: I mean, I will never say never, you know, because I thought we were, you know, I thought we were done with Tom Brady, and then he surprised us all and decided he wants to play for a couple more years. So there, there's always that. Um, I don't know if – You know, without Sean Payton there, I don't know what Drew Brees is thinking, but um, we'll just have to see. Um, I mean, it would it would definitely not be great. That Falcon schedule is brutal. (laughs) It is, it is absolutely brutal.
0: (laughs) Justin, I'm already looking at this, and I'm already penciling in three losses. Played they play the at the Rams, Mm
1: -hmm. at the
0: Bengals, and at the Ravens. That right there, those three games, it's going to be hard to. Watch because at least Matt Ryan kept the game competitive. Uh, there were times where the Falcons did get blown out, but I always felt like Matt Ryan had a chance to win the game. Who gets the start week one? Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter?
1: I, I think it's Mariota. Um, I, I think that he's the he's a veteran and he'll get the starts. Uh, Desmond Ritter is a um, really this this entire quarterback class that came out into the draft out of the draft this year. There's not really, and again, I could be surprised, um, and, and that would be great. But none of them really jump off at me as as instant stars uh, on any NFL team, um, and I'm including Kenny Pickett in that, even though he was the only first round pick that went as far as quarterbacks go. Um, I, I really do think that probably more than likely Mariota will be the starter. He came in to to start um, and to try to be that. Um, but now, you know, with with Mariota, there's a lot of you know, injury history there. Um, and, you know, the Falcons offensive line is not the best, as we've seen Matt Ryan, you know, running for his life the last two years um, when, when watching Falcons games. But, the um, you know, I think he'll be the starter week one. Desmond Ritter is a little bit more of a project. I think he needs some time to, uh, to get ready. Now, he could surprise me, and he could be, you know, by midseason. He's the starter and playing great. And that would be a welcome sight. Um, but being a little bit more realistic, I think that Ritter needs more time to develop. And, you know, he needs to be put into a situation where he doesn't have to be the starter from day one. Um, I, I don't think he's ready for that kind of pressure just yet. Um, but I think that, that Desmond Ritter does have a, a higher ceiling than maybe the other quarterbacks do. And I, and I do um, think that he could be a serviceable quarterback in this league um, and even be a starter for the Falcons. Now can he, Now, is he the the long term starter for the next ten years for this franchise, I don't I don't know for sure. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong, you know, taking him in the third round, um, where they did, it was a good spot. They needed a quarterback. The quarterback room needed another another guy there. They needed somebody to kind of put some pressure on Mariota anyway, um, to compete with him. But I think Mariota's a starter from week one or at least on week one.
0: Were you surprised that the Falcons took Drake London with the first pick?
1: I was a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't expect a quarterback to go off the board at that that pick, but um, I, I knew the the wide receiver class was very deep uh, in this draft, and I, and I thought maybe the Falcons could have waited until the second round and still got a really good one if that's what they wanted. Drake London's a good ta- a great talent. You know, I, I don't know if any of those pass rushers um, that went a little bit higher, if any of those guys would, you know, Thibodeau or – Hutchinson or anybody, any of those guys would have fell a little bit further down um, to the Falcons. You know, would they have, uh, you know, would they have taken one? I think they probably would have because um, they really do need, they need some defense. I mean, they need, they got holes everywhere on that team. Um, so really, just not really a bad pick to get in that first round. But it was a little bit surprising. I wasn't exactly thrilled with a, with a wide receiver coming off the board because my first thought was, well, who's throwing to him? you know, so, but I get it that the team's trying to get younger. Um, they do need wide receivers, um, you know, after Julio Jones was traded away and then Calvin Ridley being suspended for a whole year. Um, and there was even talk of really not even coming back that they might have tried to trade him away if he, you know, before his suspension. And so they, they needed um, some young blood into that wide receiver corp. And they're going to have, you know, between, um, between London and, and uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, they're going to have two really young, dynamic receivers uh, for Mariota or Ritter to throw to. And so, you know, they're building the offense right. Uh, the defense still has got some holes. Um, there's, especially after, you know, as far as pass rushing, getting to the quarterback. So there's still some work to do there. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see how, this, how it goes. And they also picked up former
0: Green Bay Packers wide receiver Geronimo Allison. So hopefully, but what is he going to be like without Aaron Rodgers? You know, Aaron Rodgers makes all those receivers great.
1: He does. When you, when you have a good quarterback, it does. And you know, and this was a weird off, uh, off season in in the NFL. A lot of these big talented wide receivers got traded, um, this off season, you know, Tyree kill went to Miami, Adams. Adams went to Oakland. And so. And I mean, you know, for, for a casual fan, you're scratching your head. Like, why would you trade your best receiver? Well, I mean, a lot of these guys are getting close to contract. You know, they're getting close to their contract years where they're going to be paid a lot of money. And some of these teams are looking at their, you know, salary cap going, hey, we're not going to be able to pay these guys. And so um, they want to get something in return for them before, you know, so instead of them just walking on the contract year. And so they make some, tr- they make a trade, get some picks uh, in the draft that they can then use to, you know, you know, basically reset the clock and get some fresh receivers that can, um, that are more controllable and cheaper. And so that's, that's a big, big reason for it. But yeah, it was just weird offseason. Um, a lot of, a lot of moves made for really, it just seemed like nothing more than just salary purposes. Let's talk about
0: the Falcons defense because they signed Grady Jarrett to a five-year long-term deal. So he's the cornerstone of that defense. And also, A.J. Terrell, he's going to get paid. He's one of the best cover corners in the league. I'm hoping that there are three defensive players they picked in this year's draft. Arnold Ebeke, Troy Anderson, and D'Angelo Malone. I hope they they become starters and they have an impact on that defense because if they don't, then the defense is just going to be pedestrian. I know that uh, Deion Jones is in a contract year, and he's looking to get paid. And I've seen too many games last year where the Falcons – let the other team move the ball up and down on him a couple of years ago marcus mariota came into the bins and looked like a pro bowl quarterback for tennessee
1: <laughs> yeah falcons defense have a tendency to do that to a uh, mediocre quarterbacks to make them look like uh just throwing the ball all around but yeah the, the falcons defense has had some work it's had to do you know I, uh the defensive coordinator Dean Pease has his work cut out for him, um, last year. He, and he kind of admitted that too the frustrations, um, that he had with the defense. You know, he's always had some really good defenses there in Baltimore, um, to work with. It was an expectation when he was there, you were going to have a good defense And coming in with this Atlanta team. Um, that's never really been known for having good defensive teams. Um, and so he had his work cut out for him still does, um, to get this team ready. But the, uh, Yeah, the picks. I mean, they're they're good for sure. Uh, Some of them a little bit surprised me um, with where they went for some of these, especially with some of the players that were still available. um, Particularly, and I guess you know, this is just me being a little more biased. With uh, N'Kobe Dean fell so far that he did Um, being a linebacker, and the Falcons were drafting linebackers. I was a little surprised they didn't um, take the the flyer out on the uh, Georgia kid Um, just because I I like N'Kobe Dean. I like what his intangibles. He's a leader. Um, he'd been a leader on that defense for Georgia, and um, I thought he would be a good fit on this Falcons team that needed some leadership. Um, but you know, th- those those people are getting paid more um, to do their job, and I'm just a fan. So, uh, but yeah, the the players they brought in they they need to get some starters out of that. The uh, the defensive end from Penn State he's a good player um, for sure. I, I like that pick. Um, the linebackers are you know we'll just have to see um, how they how they pan out.
0: All right, and I'm looking at the NFL schedule, and of course, I've penciled the game. October 16th, the 49ers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. I have dubbed it the Kyle Shanahan Bowl. That is <laughs> yeah. going to be so exciting. Last time, uh, I tried to go to every 49er Falcons game uh, as I can. I was at the 2013 NFC Championship game where the Falcons had a 17-0 lead, and Colin Kaepernick just just ran away with it in the second half. And the 49ers went on to the Super Bowl. It was a little bittersweet. I was happy that my team won. A little sad for Falcons fans. And, of course, my wife was in attendance, and she was a Falcons fan, wearing her Matt Ryan jersey, and I was wearing my Frank Gore jersey. And i tell you, that was not a very good experience at the Georgia Dome because Falcons fans were cussing at me and telling me, you know, the 49ers are terrible and not in those words.
1: That's um, it, – it'll be a good game. Um Um for sure it's a home game for us which would be good um 49ers are a good team i i you know you know I, I hate to sound like a downer because i'm not trying to be on the falcons um it, it's just that sometimes they at least in the past couple of years they've been really hard to watch um then they've been you know they've done some good things um but there's been a lot of bad and so it's 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 hard and so yeah this going into this season i'm i just try not to set too many high expectations for them um and uh, but I think that game will be good, uh, having the 49ers in. Uh there's a lot of good teams coming into Atlanta that I think a lot of a lot of people will want to go see. Steelers are coming in, the Bears are coming in to play, um the Browns will be in town to play as well. You know, see, so, you know, Deshaun Watson might be playing there. some people might want to go watch him play, especially since he is a Georgia boy. He might have some friends and family want to go watch him play um back in the NFL this year. And so, yeah, there's 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 a lot of good teams coming into town um, for sure. I, I've got a lot. To, you'll be surprised how many Steelers fans there are in the Atlanta area. There's there's a huge, huge coal falling of Steelers fans um, in the Atlanta area. I go to church with a bunch of them. And so I know they're super excited about the Steelers coming in the town and they're already looking to get tickets and things like that. So and I know you're you're excited to see your 49ers in town as well. So. So yeah, it should be a good game. Um, there's there should be some, some good games on the schedule. I hope maybe the Falcons can pull some upsets here um, on some of these teams, and you know maybe at least have a 500 record. Um, but it is it's a very it's definitely a very daunting schedule, especially the first seven games um, in particular. Uh, you've got a lot a lot going on here. So
0: and uh, they went seven and ten last year, and I was very impressed that they went 7-10, and 10, thought it was a rebuilding year, but Arthur Smith, he's proven that he's the right guy, that the Falcons got an offensive-minded head coach. Sad to see Matt Ryan go, but they have the tools in place, and they just need to build off the draft. I know that Mike Davis is no longer the running back. They still have Cordell Patterson. He is a good dual-threat wide receiver running back, kind of like what Debo Samuel is for the 49ers. And I think that the Falcons just need to continue building off that success. And uh, hopefully I wish them uh, the best of luck this season. I know that it's going to be a tall task, especially with Tom Brady back in that division and the saints are still a great team. They got the honey They got the honey badger. The in the draft. And they also got Jarvis Landry. I mean, imagine if Michael Thomas comes back and Alvin Kamara is going to be coming back. I know that he was arrested at the pro but I mean, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with his situation. I mean, the saints are still a very talented team. So it's not yep. a foregone conclusion that the, you know, and I, it's not going to be a foregone conclusion that, that the saints are going to just, you know, lay, lay down and die after they, you know, got so close to the playoffs last year. And then of course the last four seasons of playoff heartbreak, I mean I know that we we take relish in the fact that Saints fans have suffered in the last couple of years but nobody has suffered as much as the Falcons blowing the 28 to 3 lead I I can't even imagine what any sports fans would it, Falcons experienced
1: Oh no I mean that's it's it's like PTSD around here in Atlanta. You bring that up and people just start shaking and twitching. It's, it's, yeah, it's such a, it is, it's such a traumatic experience that, that whole Super Bowl. And it's been the 28 to three debt jokes have been, you know, kicked around. It's been beat to death for the last six years. Um, and, but, but unfortunately, it's just, it's not going to go away until the Falcons can finally get over that hump and win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, you know, the, uh, Georgia fans, we had to deal with the 1980 jokes for a long time, you know, for 40 years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we finally won a national championship, and so those jokes are going to go away. And those I, that idea of, well, you know, Georgia can't win the big one, you know, kind of thing, all that's going to go away now, um, now that they finally did it. And it's, it's going to be the same way with the Falcons. The Falcons are going to have to endure all those jokes, unfortunately, and, and even the ridicule from the Saints fans, because even as much as, you know, yeah, we enjoyed the seeing their heartbreak. Um and then blowing some games, you know, especially some last minute blow, you know, um, kind of things that make you laugh. But you know, the one thing they have that we don't is they have a Super Bowl ring. You know, it's it's yeah, it's it's old at this point. It's you know, decade old or so. But they still have it. You know, it's still one of the one thing they hang over our heads is we have a ring and you don't. And so until until the Falcons can get themselves together and get back in the playoffs and can can pull off Super Bowl win at some point, um. You know, those jokes are just going to remain there. and We're going to have to endure that whole 28-3 thing until we finally get over the hump. Justin, you're an Atlanta
0: United fan, right? Correct, yep. Of course, over the weekend, they tied the New England Revolution. They're in seventh place in the Eastern Conference, but Atlanta United came into the Major League Soccer League in 2017. I became a fan from day one. I
1: mm-hmm. thought that
0: Joseph Martinez was the best player in the MLS. Atlanta United won the MLS Cup in 2018. MLS Cup in 2018 of course I watched that MLS Cup final against the Portland Timbers from start to finish Uh, what was going through your mind when Atlanta United won the MLS Cup in 2018 and Atlanta finally had a championship in the city for the first time since 1995
1: it was a great feeling for sure um you know and it was it was kind of one of those you know Atlanta United came in it was announced we were getting a soccer team. Uh, there was, you know, kind of a, kind of a chuckle amongst some, some Atlanta fans. You know, we, you know, we lost the thrashers. It didn't seem like we could support too many sports teams. And so we were kind of wondering how are we going to support a soccer team, but man, the, the, the reaction and, and just the the fan support that I saw in 2017 for this team, this brand new team in MLS, it was great. You know, I was like, man, there's a lot of soccer fans around here. You know, this is, this is fantastic. And, and everything. And I, I went to, into a few games. I saw him play once at Georgia tech when they were still there before Mercedes Benz opened up and I've seen him play at Mercedes Benz a couple of times. And they're fun. They're a fun team to watch. Um, I, I love Joseph Martinez too. Um, he's one of the best soccer players that I've seen play. Um, you know, he, he seems to love Atlanta wants to stay here. Doesn't seem to want to go, you know, he, he could probably go play in some of the, you know, the, the European leagues or even, um, some of the uh, Latin American leagues as well, but he seems to stay here. He likes it here, which is great um, for us. But yeah, winning that cup was great. I watched that game as well. Um, it was great. You know, I had, I had a lot of, had a lot of um, uh, friends that are, that are not Atlanta sports fans, maybe fans of other teams and stuff. They were kind of joking with me and asking me, are like, Hey, do you guys count this as a, as a championship since, you know, MLS doesn't have maybe the same clout that, You know, NHL or NFL or MLB has or NBA has, and I said, of course. I said we we don't have a whole lot of major major sports championships to celebrate. We're definitely going to count this one as one. So it's it was great to see, um, great to see that win. And I normally don't talk a whole lot about the WNBA on my podcast, but
0: hey, the Atlanta Dream are looking pretty good. They had the number one overall draft pick, uh, Ryan Howard. Uh, she's looked pretty impressive. They've had a pretty good fan base, uh, but say what you want. If you don't like, I know there's a lot of sports fans that don't like the WNBA, uh, maybe just because they're too political, but you know, it, I still support the Atlanta dream. You know, they did go to two WNBA finals. Uh, they just haven't won that championship yet, but I'm, I got to say, I'm very impressed with Ryan Howard. She is starting to look like a star. She gets a double double just about every night. Mm-hmm. Um, just an incredible pick. Uh, they drafted her number one overall from the University of Kentucky, and uh, I, I
1: think she's going to be a future MVP in this league. Yeah, yeah, she definitely looked really good uh, playing for WNBA, and and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think WNBA gets a lot of a lot of um, slack, maybe because of the political stuff like that. But I, I think that too just kind of goes into women's sports in general. Um, they just don't seem to get the same kind of support or recognition that the men's sports do and that's that is that is very sad um because there's a there's a lot of really good athletes you know um that play women's sports you know one of the i i enjoyed um and i know the last time they played they were also getting kind of political which um, led to some negative media but i i enjoyed over the last decade watching the uh, women's uh national soccer team play you know they were very successful very good one won a world cup in that, in that, in the last decade. And, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of really good women athletes, um, in, in the world. And I, I, you know, I just don't think they get the recognition that they should get, uh, for being the kind of athletes that they are.
0: Justin, I'm glad you mentioned the women's national soccer team. You remember the Atlanta beat?
1: I don't actually.
0: Yeah. They were the, uh, professional women's soccer team. They were in the WPS that folded in 2011 Mm -hmm. they played their games at fifth third bank stadium at kennesaw state university that was right when they built the stadium in 2010 they only played two seasons but their star player was carly lloyd and they had hope solo as a goalkeeper for one season Um, if you go on youtube they do have their games on the fox soccer network uh, 10 years ago I mean, they
1: were actually well
0: attended, and I feel kind of bad. I never got to go to a game.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I'm. I must have. You said two seasons, so I. I, I can see why I probably just missed it. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize that that was the case. Um, that that was that's really cool. Um, that that they had that, and Carly Lloyd and Hope Solo was on that team. That's pretty cool. Um, if I'd have known, if I'd have known that, I may have went as well. Being you know, what, ten years ago, and at that time I was in, I was living in the Marietta Kennesaw area. So it would have been really easy for me to attend games too.
0: And of course, I just missed seeing Kennesaw State football games as I moved to Columbus in 2015, right when Kennesaw State was getting their football team. I actually did go to the spring game in 2015 because I was still up in Atlanta. But uh, I got to tell you, I don't know if you – because I know you have ties with Kennesaw State. Um, I have always wanted to see their basketball team, make it to the NCAA tournament, but I actually just, I think they have just an amazing football team.
1: They do. Um. So funny, funny story. So in 2018, I, um I was at a Braves game and I got to do the, you know, in between the innings, they do the, the little like, games with the fans that do the hat shuffle and stuff like that. Well, I got to do the Napa cap shuffle on the big screen and I won and part of what I won was actually got three tickets or four tickets to go Kennesaw state's football team was playing Jacksonville state at Truist park that winter in November, they were going to convert the field to a football field. Um, And so I got to go, I went with a few friends to that game and watched it and it was cold that day, but that was actually a really entertaining game. I think it actually went into like five overtimes (laughs) and, and I think KSU won um, on the fifth overtime, but it was, you know, for, for watching, um, uh, for not, you know, usually i watch D1 schools play and and stuff. And so for getting to watch, you know, some of the smaller schools play um, football and stuff, um, getting, you know, teams I don't normally get to watch on TV. And I guess, I guess I'm trying to say stuff like that. It was a really entertaining game.
0: All right, Justin. So before I get you out of here, I really want to talk about Chris Paul because this stat is just mind blowing. So, you know, Chris Paul has blown five 2-0 series leads in a game seven Uh, he just can't close out games I don't know if you saw get up this morning Uh, Patrick Beverly he's going to be a star in broadcasting I love segment him going back and forth between Stephen A. Smith he pretty much just called out Chris Paul and says he can't guard anybody anymore I mean he is 30 36 years old and but it's just mind-boggling, mind-boggling. In 2008, the Hornets actually had home court against the Spurs. He couldn't close out that series. Couldn't close out the Memphis Grizzlies in 2013 when he was with the Clippers. Same with the Portland Trailblazers. Somehow he just let Portland get back into that series. The NBA Finals last year, the Phoenix Suns had a 2-0 series lead on the Bucks, And now this year, had a 2-0 series lead on the Mavericks. And they lost to Dallas. Got blown out by the Mavericks. In a game seven at home,
1: yeah, it's it, that that was that was one of the more shocking games I've seen so far in the uh, postseason for the NBA this year. You know, you're at home, it's game seven, and to lose that bad, um, that's very, really, really embarrassing. I did catch part of that segment um, that you're talking about, and I did catch the part where he, you know, he blew, he blew up. Chris Paul said he can't guard anybody. And that's that's the truth right now. Paul, Chris Paul can't guard anybody right now. He is getting older. He is aging. You know, I know he wants a ring um, before he goes. He got really close um, last year with the Suns, you know, and I, I, I like the Phoenix Suns. I, 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 as much as I like the you know, I like the Hawks. I've always been a Hawks fan, but I, I, w- I became a huge fan of the Suns back in the day. When uh, Steve Nash played for him, Sean Marion, um, Ame Stoudemire, Stardemeyer, when they had that run and gun offense, it was fun to watch. And so I always keep my eye on the Suns and see what they're doing. Um I like Devin Booker. Um he's he's a star in this league. Um and I think he'll probably eventually get himself a ring one day, but I don't know if it's gonna be with Chris Paul <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately. Really. Um yeah, Chris, Chris Paul is it is, you know, 36 years old. He's had a good career. Like it's not like he's a bad player. He's just is getting he, he hasn't really been the best best point guard in his, in his career. He's always been maybe a little above average even in his prime, but he's just he's getting older now. Um let's just face it. Um he's aging, uh he's getting older and um I mean those kind of those kind of numbers blowing leads. I mean, that's almost that's like Atlanta sports territory. Um, it's surprising Chris Paul's never played for an Atlanta team. Well, well the Hawks could have Marvin. drafted
0: him instead of Marvin Williams.
1: I mean, they, and they should have. <laughs> let's just go, let's just go ahead and say that. They should have drafted him instead of Marvin Williams. Um, and, and Chris Paul wanted to get drafted by the Hawks. He actually, well, he wanted to come here. Um, and, and the Hawks took Marvin Williams instead. That was one of the, one of the many NBA draft bus stories for the Atlanta Hawks. But, um, But, yeah, I just – I I really don't have any words to describe that blowout loss. It's it's one thing if they would have been in Dallas and that happened. um, But you're at home, man. I mean, you shouldn't get – you're at home. You're in the second round of the playoffs. You should not get blown out that bad by somebody else.
0: Who do you got in the finals? Mavericks Heat, we've already seen it twice, 2006 and 2011. I do not want Mavericks Heat. Of course, I'm a Warriors fan. Of course, I want to see either the Warriors Celtics or the Warriors Heat. But if it's Mavericks Heat, I mean, come on we we've seen this before. That'd be the third time. Maybe Warriors. No, maybe Celtics Mavericks.
1: Celtics Mavericks would be good. Um, I just I don't know. I don't know if I can see the Celtics getting past Miami though. Right now, Um, Miami's looking look has looked really good. Um I, you know I wa- I didn't I didn't watch a whole lot of them. I watched some of the games in the second round. I did watch every game when they played the Hawks and they just looked every bit of the number 1 seed they are. Um when they knocked the Hawks out and um and so yeah, I, I just I think Miami's going to get there. I mean the Celtics it, it surprised me a little bit they got this far. I didn't think they were going to get past the Bucks honestly. But um but they're here and uh they they can they can definitely pull the upset against Miami as well. But yeah, as far as uh, I mean, the Mavericks look really good. Luca has come into his own after, after, you know, making the playoffs the last two years and getting bounced in the first round. And then this year, Luca's kind of, he looks, he's kind of pulling the, you know, the, the Mavericks are doing kind of what the, what the Hawks did last year, you know, surprised everybody got, and got far. And so Luca's really kind of coming to his own again, um, showing everybody on the big stage why he was the, you know, number three pick. Um, I know the Hawks drafted him, but they traded him. Um, But, yeah, uh, why he was the number 3 pick in the draft that year and why everybody wanted him. And And, um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, all I've been hearing about on Twitter this morning is, oh, the Mavericks won that trade. you got to remember, Trey Young led the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Cam Reddish had a major impact in that Bucs series. And I know that he was injury-prone and he didn't pan out, and they traded him away. So the jury's still out. They get the New York Knicks lottery pick. Right. So tonight is, of course, this is being recorded yesterday, as this will air on Tuesday. The Hawks have the New York Knicks lottery pick. So right now, you know, of course, last night is the NBA lottery. I'll have a recap of it in the beginning of the show. You have an, I want to say it's a unprotected pick, but there's still a chance that the Hawks could get a really good pick since they have the Knicks lottery pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, the jury is still out on that trade. I mean, cause they did, you, people forget people think, you know, they hear, they hear Trey and they hear Luke and I get that. Cause that was the two names in the draft, but the Hawks got another pick from Dallas that year in order to make that trade, which they turned into drafting cam Reddish. Um, and cam cam had some, some upside for sure. He was definitely more of a project kind of guy, you know, only one year at Duke and, um, he, he has some good point, but yet the injuries were one thing. Um, and also the Hawks were just, uh, they were really deep in wing. He just wouldn't get any playing time this year. And so it just kind of became a necessary thing to trade him. And they got that lottery pick from the Knicks and we'll, we'll see what happens with that pick, you know? Um, so yeah, the, kind of the, the lot of the jury's still technically out on that pick. Um, I know Luca is and the Mavericks are doing great, you know, and if he, if they were to win this year and win the whole thing, and he gets a ring, you know, I know that's going to make everybody feel like, well, Dallas won that that pick for sure or won that trade for sure. And, you know, if, if Trey Young never gets a ring in Atlanta, then, then sure, maybe you can say that. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll still see. I mean, it, it could turn in. We could still get a really good player to, to team with with Trey. I, I still think that's what the Hawks are missing um, to get back into the Eastern Conference finals or even get themselves into the finals is they need a really another really good all-star type player that they can pair with Trey Young to take the heat off of. Um, because that's, you know, what the Miami really, they did what nobody else seemed to do last year in the postseason, was they just, they went after Trey Young. And they said, we're, we're going, to, we're not going to let you beat us. And that's what happened.
0: Justin, what do you think of this trade? John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, and the Hawks first round draft pick in 2023 to the Utah Jazz for Donovan Mitchell
1: heck of a that's a heck of a trade right there. Um, I like it at this point. Um, I, I think that's what they need. They need another player like that to go with Trey. If if they pull that kind of a trade off, it's a lot to give up. But it's you know if it, it could pay off for you too having having somebody like that that can that you can pair with Trey. That's a good solid guy that you can you know takes the heat off of Trey and where Trey can play his game and they can't just double team him to death um that's where that's what that's what they need you know they're paying they're paying John Collins that big you know big money to be that guy and John he's just not um and so i think that it's you know it's time to shake things up i know the gm has said there's going to be some move are going to shake things up i should have done it last year but i didn't you know they stayed status pretty much status quo with the team that got them to the eastern conference finals and it just didn't pan out this year and so um yeah, I could see them making making that kind of a trade like that, getting somebody like that in there and, and trying to build a team around Trey um that can that can maximize them and they can they can make a run. Because it's 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 time. You know, you've been rebuilding for a few years now and you've got a superstar like Trey Young. He wants to win. You've got to give him the players around him that's gonna help him win.
0: The Hawks did have the perfect number two player to compliment Trey Young ten years ago. His name was Joe Johnson. Yep and um and I'll, I'll cut this out but we'll we'll wrap this up cuz we're getting at 47 minutes. Yeah. What do you think what do you think of Al Horford's resurgent career with the Boston Celtics and where was this version of Al Horford when he played 10 years with Atlanta?
1: I have no idea, but i i, I mean i'm glad to see it. I always liked Al Horford. So, I'm happy for him for sure. I'm happy that he's having a, some a, some a lot of success with Boston and I'm happy they're making this this run with him, but but yeah, I'm I'm the same way with you. I'm like, where was this at when you were with the Hawks, you know, and stuff. But yeah, I remember too with the Hawks. I mean, they they had some good teams back in that that era, you know, with Joe Johnson, um, Josh Smith, Al Holford. They had some good teams. They the, part of it was coaching. They didn't have the coach to get them where they needed to go. Um, and, and and also some of it too was Joe. I mean, Joe was good. He was not a number one though. And, and the and the Falcons tried to. Or, excuse me. The Hawks tried to play him like he was the guy he just and he when it came to in the playoffs when you needed to make a shot he couldn't do it um most of the time whereas like Trey, you know somebody like Trey Young like I you know you got you got a few seconds left and you need a game-winning shot I'm gonna trust Trey Young with the ball every day to make a shot so you know if if you'd have had a guy like Trey Young mixed with that team back you know then yeah that team probably could have won a ring a decade ago but um, now you need a player like that, like a Joe Johnson or an Al Hooker, too, to, to mix with Trey in order to, um, in order to try to get yourself make make a deep run in the NBA playoffs and try to win.
0: Boy, that was a fun decade. You really brought me down to a rabbit hole. I, I miss those Hawks teams that
1: had Mike Bibby and Joe Johnson, oh, yeah. Josh Smith. I remember my Julia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike Bibby was like, dude, have you seen, I don't know if he still is, but I saw a picture of Mike Bibby like a year or two ago. He oh, is yeah. jacked. He's, he's jacked. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, He was playing yeah. in the big three. Was he? Okay. A little bit. And, you know, of course the Hawks, you know, converted over, you know, they had Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver. And and I actually thought oh. Mike Budenholzer did a pretty good job. It led him to 60 wins in 2015
1: right. and an
0: Eastern Conference Finals berth swept by the Cavaliers. Oh, but that that game won. cuz I was I was pumped. The Hawks had home, home the Hawks had home court against the Cavaliers. Yep. I thought that they had a, their shot because the Cavaliers were missing Kevin Love because yep. he was injured. And I'm thinking that this is their best chance to reach the NBA Finals. I didn't think they were going to beat the Warriors cuz the Warriors won the title in 15, but I actually thought that Jeff Teague was a fast point guard. He can get around Kyrie Irving because Kyrie didn't get hurt until later in the playoffs. Yeah. But I, I hated Matthew Dellavedova. He was just a dirty player and uh, he got booed every time he came back to Atlanta. But Kyle Corver got hurt in that game. Damari Carroll got hurt in that game. And, and you could just read disaster from game one. When they couldn't win game one, I knew they were going to get swept by Cleveland.
1: Yeah, that was... Uh... It was the the one thing that that Hawks team was a complete team. They were they were absolutely complete in all facets, and and but had that. But the one thing I felt like they were missing was a superstar. They didn't they had a lot of really good stars. They didn't have a superstar like a like a like a Kyrie Irvin or a Trey Young or a Luca. They didn't have that quite on that team in 2015. They won 60 games and they were a good team. But that was the problem was they didn't have that superstar that could just go off on you. And and that's what the Cavalier what they had on LeBron James. And LeBron James was like a uncaged animal in that series too. Um he had a big he played very well. He wanted to go back to the NBA finals. He wanted to beat the Warriors and he didn't that year. But um they were focused and they were really good. And yeah, I'm with you. They they lost that game one and essentially lost the home court advantage. I was like, yeah, this is not good. You know, now we we've, we've got to win game 2 because we don't win game 2, I don't see us winning um two games out in Cleveland. And so, um when we lost both games at that point, I was like, well, I mean, there there was still a chance if we could have took one, we at least maybe force a game 5 and come back home, maybe maybe try to get it to 6, but um but yeah, when we lost that game one, I was like, yeah, this this team is just they're missing that superstar piece that you need to have to beat a team like the the Celtics were that year. So
0: yeah, that was definitely special. And of course, you know the Hawks coming out of nowhere, reaching the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Nobody saw that, but you know, Justin, I really once again appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. It's always a pleasure just talking sports with you. You have all this wealth of knowledge of Atlanta sports, which is always great for the podcast. So come back
1: anytime and and definitely look forward to catching up with you. Awesome. Again, thank you for having me on here and uh, um, I'll definitely come back anytime you want me. All
0: right. That was Justin Dale. Thank you once again for listening to the sports beat and don't forget tomorrow's episode and hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Bye. Put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something, and then send it to the internet.
1: You've been listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family.